Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, a packet. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. I am here today with Jesse McGill, APACN Curriculum Development Specialist, to start a new podcast series on the upcoming changes to the MDS. In this episode, we will focus on the changes to ethnicity and race, how they will be coded on the MDS, and we'll also cover how these changes tie into recent updates to the requirements of participation and the guidance to surveyors in Appendix PP of the State Operations Manual. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, Amy. I'm glad to join you today. Let's start with some basic information that's good to know. When will these MDS changes go into effect? The changes we're expecting on the MDS will go into effect October 1st, 2023, with the MDS item set version 1.18.11. However, since the regulatory changes are a current requirement, facilities may also want to consider making some of those changes to policies and practices now. Thank you for that, Jesse. Before we get into coding, I would like to discuss some of the history behind these changes. I understand that the changes to ethnicity and race are intended to meet the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services goals to collect data on social determinants of health. Could you elaborate on this? That is correct, and that's a great place to start. I would first like to clarify what social determinants of health are and why they are important. Healthy People 2030 defines social determinants of health as conditions and environment where people are born, live, work, play, worship, and age that affect a wide range of health, functioning, and quality of life outcomes and risks. Since these items impact health, quality of life, and risks, those are all important items for long-term care staff to also consider when providing care and developing the care plan and planning for discharge back to the community for the residents they serve. CMS has also adopted certain social determinants of health as standardized patient assessment data elements. That's a long phrase, but what they're typically called are SPADES. So SPADES are the items that are standardized patient assessment data elements that CMS has identified as items that will be collected across all post-acute care settings, your inpatient rehab facilities, your long-term care hospitals, home health agencies, and in these skilled nursing facilities. And so since these spades are used across the post-acute care settings, we can look at some of the trainings that CMS recently did for home health on some of the spade items that were also incorporated into the home health residence instrument, the OASIS in home health. So CMS has started to collect this data. In a recent home health training, which focused on spades and social determinants of health, CMS stated that this data collection will help improve quality of care and health outcomes, document and track health disparities, allow for comparison of social determinants of health data within and across post-acute care settings, and support the sharing of data used by CMS for certification and policy. Specifically for ethnicity and race, CMS stated in the same training that this data 
will improve the understanding of and address ethnic disparities in healthcare outcomes and provide granular data that is important for documenting and tracking health disparities. Thank you, Jesse. That's a great background. When you say SPADES, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Skilled Nursing Facility Quality Reporting Program, or SNF QRP. Are the SPADES you just discussed related to the SPADES used in the SNF QRP program? Oh, Amy, I'm so glad you pointed that out, and you are correct. The SPADES that are part of the SNF QRP program and the ones we're talking about now are one and the same, and that's why it is so important for our listeners to really take note of these changes. The SPADES are required reporting data elements of the SNF QRP program, and so they are part of that SNF QRP Medicare Annual Payment Update, or APU threshold. What this means is that dashing race and ethnicity on a Medicare PPS assessment after October 1st, 2023 will count against the SNF QRP APU threshold. So it's part of that calculation for the SNF QRP program. So just as a reminder for our listeners, the SNF QRP program requires that 100% of the required data elements are reported on at least 80% of the required assessments. If any of the required items are dashed on the MDS, which means that the item was not assessed, then this counts against the APU threshold. There is a file on the SNF QRP webpage that provides an overview of the data required for the SNF QRP fiscal year 2025 program. This program year uses data from calendar year 2023. So that's why that file is important now, because that data will start being collected January 1st. So the changes that will go into effect October 2023 will impact the fiscal year 2025 program year. Now, to help you find this file, we can add a link in the podcast description. And the file is called the SNF QRP Overview of Data Elements Used for Reporting Assessment-Based Quality Measures and Standardized Patient Assessment Data Elements Affecting Fiscal Year 2025 APU Determination. And that is a long file name, but that's exactly what it's called. And that will give you a detailed list of all the different data elements, including race and ethnicity that will be used in the fiscal year 2025 program year. You're right. That is a very long name. (laughs) Thank you for the clarification on that. It will be important for facilities to collect this information, not only for MDS accuracy, but also for SNF QRP compliance. Let's move back to the MDS changes. What exactly is going to change on the MDS effective October 1st, 2023, in regard to ethnicity and race. The changes to the MDS for ethnicity and race do not appear very substantial, but that's also the reason I want to dedicate an entire podcast to this topic. This seemingly minor change packs a lot of weight. So right now we have A1000 race slash ethnicity and six response options and instructions to select all that apply. The draft MDS item set 1.18.11, which is scheduled to go into effect October 1st, 2023, has two separate items for ethnicity and race. 
A1005 Ethnicity asks, are you of Hispanic, Latino, Latina, or Spanish origin? The answer options include one, no response. So you have an option if the resident refuses to respond or provides no response. And then we have four yes responses. And the options if the resident is unable to respond or declines to respond, and the instructions state to check all that apply. The second new item on the new MDS item set is A1010 race that asks, what is your race? The answer options include 14 different race options, options if the resident is unable to respond or declines to respond, and an option to select none of the above. And the instructions for this item also state to check all that apply. So instead of one combined option, facility staff will ask about ethnicity and race separately and check all that apply. You're right, that does sound fairly simple. What else must facility staff consider? The first thing to consider is that we do not have the REI user's manual instructions yet. So there may be special considerations that staff must follow when a resident is unable or unwilling to respond. However, the most important piece is what the facility is going to do with this information. The federal regulations in Appendix PP require that the services provided or arranged by the facility as outlined by the Comprehensive Care Plan must be culturally competent and trauma-informed. And this is at section 483.21b3. So when we are assessing race and ethnicity, when we're doing that today, because this is in the regulations today, we must also ask and seek to understand the resident's culture, health beliefs, and practices. This is a great example of how the MDS ties into regulatory requirements. Can you provide more information to help our listeners better understand cultural competency? Absolutely, and I'm going to direct our listeners to the State Operations Manual Appendix PP, which defines culture as the conceptual system that structures the way people view the world. It is a particular set of beliefs, norms, and values that influence ideas about the nature of relationships, the way people live their lives, and the way people organize their world. Additionally, Appendix PP defines cultural competency as a developmental process in which individuals or institutions achieve increasing levels of awareness, knowledge, and skills along a cultural competence continuum. Cultural competence involves valuing diversity, conducting self-assessments, avoiding stereotypes, managing the dynamics of differences, acquiring and institutionalizing cultural knowledge, and adapting to diversity and cultural contexts in communities. Appendix PP goes on to say that culturally competent care refers to a person's ability to interact effectively with persons of cultures different from his or her own. It means being respectful and responsive to health beliefs, practices, and cultural and linguistic needs of diverse population groups, such as racial, ethnic, religious, or social groups. 
This is great information. I recall an example that is also in Appendix PP that discusses a resident's cultural dietary restriction related to eating pork. After eating her dinner and realizing she had eaten pork, she became inconsolable because this was explicitly forbidden in her culture and faith of Islam. Due to the facility not following her cultural dietary preference, she would not eat the food provided by the facility, had weight loss, and serious psychosocial harm. I bring up this example because I think it's also important for our listeners to see that the regulations require a team approach or the entire interdisciplinary team and not just the NAC. That is a great point, Amy, and you are absolutely correct. The entire interdisciplinary team needs to be trained on culturally competent care. Like in your example, it was the dietary team that did not follow the cultural practices. And so that means we do have to have cultural competency training for all of our team members that are going to provide care to our residents. Not only the dietary, the person serving it could have been a CNA, and they also didn't pick up on it. Another reason why we need to ensure that everyone is involved and knows about the cultural beliefs of the resident. Jesse, this has been a great discussion. What can our listeners do now to start preparing for the changes we have discussed today? Thanks, Amy. I would recommend that facility staff review current policies and procedures to ensure that cultural competency is adequately addressed. Like we just discussed, not only with the MDS and the care plan team, but all of those that are involved in providing care and services to the residents. I would also recommend identifying gaps in staff education regarding cultural competency and provide training to overcome those gaps. Since this is already a regulatory requirement, The key is to ensure that staff recognize and honor each resident's cultural beliefs, practices, and values, and for the entire team to ensure that the care plan reflects these preferences. Thank you, Jesse. This has been great information for our listeners, and I appreciate you sharing it. I'm looking forward to the next episode in the series. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NACCHAT podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash apacin.